The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 260. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be back on the program. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. If you don't want to search for all those social media accounts, just go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. At the top of the page, you'll find all of my social media buttons. While you're there, give me an email address and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support The Brian McClanahan Show while you're there by clicking on that support tab at the top. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. You can also buy your Brian McClanahan book plate while you're there. So if you want my autograph on one of my six books, just go ahead and get one of those book plates. I'll send it out to you. It's a great way to get my autograph and painless way, actually, because you're not going to have to buy a book uh, from me. You just go get the book yourself as cheap as you want, and then you just get the book plate. You can also click on that shop tab at the top of the page. You can buy your Brian McClanahan Show logo on all kinds of cool stuff. It's a great way to advertise the show and also support the show. But the best way to support the show is by going to McClanahanAcademy.com, McClanahan Academy. It's always free to enroll. Those that do enroll do, to, do get a free course, 10 Myths of American History. Just check your email after you enroll. You'll get a link to it. Get that free course, enroll in it, and you can purchase one of my classes. I've got a lot there, and I've got another one coming out. The reason I haven't been on as much in the last couple of weeks, number one, I was sick, uh, so I couldn't uh, couldn't be on here. But uh, from here on out, you're going to see me probably once a week for a time because I am wrapping up and trying to finish up the next Brian McClanahan, or I should say McClanahan Academy course, which is the second half of my U.S. history survey. So that course is going to be awesome because you're going to get stuff from me I've never done before in any way, and that is 20th century U.S. history. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I think you're really going to enjoy it, and hopefully uh, you'll go ahead and purchase that one too. But that's coming out in just a few weeks. Those that do enroll in the academy get the best deals on forthcoming courses. So you, it's a win-win. You get the free course. You get the best deals on forthcoming courses. You can also purchase one of the courses that's already there. And uh, it's, you're going to get a lot of stuff out of this. I mean, some of my classes, the, the first half of, these, of this U.S. History Survey course has 54 lectures. I mean, 54 lectures. It's amazing. Um, so these are, that is a college level. All of them are college level. But that is certainly a class that you can take as uh, a substitute for a college history course or a high school history course. It's actually designed to be a homeschool curricula as well if you want to use it for your homeschool students. A lot of great stuff out there. It's a great way to support the show. Also go to Learn True. T-R-U-E, learntruehistory.com. That's also my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. If you want to sign up there, great website, a lot of bang for your buck, over 20 courses there. And I teach some of those as well. So a lot of ways to get me teaching you history besides this podcast. This podcast is great because it's free. Also, keep those emails coming about uh, requests for material. Um, I always enjoy seeing those. So if you like it and you like what I do and you want more, you can do that. You can also get me more anyways. Go to abbevilleinstitute.org if you want me twice a week, and I'm only doing this show once a week for a time. You can get that Abbeville Institute podcast. So uh, it's a great way to get... I always do that one. Once a week, you get that once a week. Uh, so you can get this show 
once or twice a week. That show once a week. You can almost get me, you know, three days a week. I mean, plus you can get the McClanahan Academy stuff. A lot of great ways to see what I'm doing. Okay. This is a Think Locally, Act Locally episode. So from the beginning, my my logo, of course, is Think Locally, Act Locally. You got that from the beginning. And I'm really going to focus on that in this episode. It's, it's to illustrate and highlight the uphill battle we face in that particular theme. A lot of people have bought into this. I get stuff all the time. Hey, did you see this about this? I'm telling people think locally, act locally. That's great. We need more people interested in federalism. We need more people interested in paying attention to their state and local government. That is how we turn this thing around. Look, all this corruption in D.C., whether Donald Trump was corrupt or not, doesn't really matter. I mean, I did the, the show just recently on did Donald Trump screw up America. He's a symptom of the disease. This whole issue about Trump and Ukrainian aid, I mean, show me in the Constitution where there's enumerated power that the general government can send aid to foreign powers without a treaty. Just, we're going to pass some aid and send it on. Show me where that happens. It's not there. So the entire process from the beginning is unconstitutional and it's corrupt. Simply by the fact that we're sending foreign aid to, basically buying people to like us. Right? Uh, the, found, the founding generation would have been very suspicious of this, that we would send aid to people. First of all, they would have said, where are we going to get the money? You know, we don't really have it. But we know that, look, the, the Obama administration did, and they actually physically withheld money until there was a, a, a change in a Ukrainian position, government position. They they actually did it. They're on tape admitting it. So, I mean, this, this is how hypocritical this entire process is. So whatever the situation is with Trump or the Democrats or whatever's going on there, no matter who you vote for, I don't care if you vote for Trump in 2020, I don't care if you vote for Pocahontas Warren in 2020 or Joe Biden in 2020, or you vote for your congressman thinking they're going to go in there and they're going to make some changes in D.C. They're going to get in that Congress and they're really going to change things. I don't care who you're going to vote for. Nothing, mark my words, nothing is going to change in terms of federal spending, in terms of unconstitutional government, in terms of corruption. Nothing is going to change. The only thing, if, if you want to, you know, uh, have someone who's going to attack the left, then sure, Donald Trump's your guy. But nothing is going to change. Uh, because the entire system, the Lincolnian system, has established this type of national government. One-size-fits-all, top-down monstrosity that is affecting people on both the left and the right in negative ways. So if you really want change, you're going to have to start thinking locally, and acting locally. That is highly problematic when you look at this next piece I'm going to talk about. And it comes from studyfinds.org. Okay, this was published on September 16, 2019. While I was sick, I saw this. I wanted to talk about it right away, but I couldn't. Of course, I've missed the debates. There's all kinds of things. Being under the weather is really awful. So I missed some things, but I'm going to be back on it. Okay, so this is Study Find. The title, Stumped. Just two in five Americans could name one of their local Congress members. Just two in five could name one of their local Congress members. Nationwide survey also reveals only 45% of adults would recognize their governor if they saw them in person. So less than half of the American population 
would even know what their governor looked like. Now, that's great for the governors. That's great for any politician. I mean, look, Louis XVI would have loved this, right? If he could have gotten away with this back in during the French Revolution uh, before he was captured and brought back to Paris so he could be executed. That was the problem. He was recognized. And this, this anonymity that these French kings and other I mean, this is great for them, right? Um, in a way. So if we want personal government, if we want to have representative government and participatory government, we need to know who these people are. If they come up to you, you got to know who they are. Now, everyone would know Donald Trump if he walked up to him. And probably a lot of people would be able to identify Joe Biden or Elizabeth Warren or some of these people. But your governor? I mean, the governor is one of the most important political people in your life. Your state, what happens in your state, is so important. What the state legislature does affects everything we do, and you don't even realize it. So people can't even identify their governor if they walked up to him. 45%, less than half. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. So, this is written from Baltimore. Election season is in full swing as Donald Trump's first term as president draws closer to an end. November 3rd, 2020 may bring perhaps a record turnout for voters at the polls. But let's not forget, there's far more than just a presidential election that day. Oh no, it got cut off at the top. And then it says, I'm going to paraphrase here because some of this got cut off when I printed it. With so much attention on the presidential campaign, how many Americans could actually name at least one of their local Congress members? Similarly, how many could even could name or even recognize their own governor? According to a study find survey of 346 adults from across the nation, we don't have a nation, by the way, only about two in five say they would know the name of at least one local member of Congress. And while most Americans can thankfully name the governor of their state, 71%, Just 45% would actually recognize him or her if they saw the governor in person. To be sure, a study finds surveyed an additional 105 Californians over 18 in a separate survey on how well they could know their current governor, Gavin Newsom. The survey revealed similar results in nationwide polls. 70% claimed they knew Newsom's name, and 45% believed they recognized him in person. Participants were also presented with the following images. From left to right, the first is Kiefer Sutherland who plays the president on television show designated Survivor. The second is Larry David, creator of Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. And the last is actually Governor Newsom. As it turned out, just a third of Californians knew that Newsom was pictured in the third image. On the other hand, slightly more, 35% recognized David, while 40% knew Sutherland was shown in the first photo. So, look... People said 42, oh yeah, I know it, 45%. But what they found out is only 30% really knew what he looked like. <laughs> Isn't that embarrassing? But this is California, right? It's California. So herein lies the issue. And I'll, and I'll get into more of this because there's a couple little there's a thing here. Uh, a little more of this, of this uh, piece. But let's talk about this for a second. This is something I ask of my students every single semester. If every level of government was to disappear tomorrow, which one would you miss most? And of course, we don't have any anarchists in the class, so nobody says, I wouldn't miss any of them. I haven't ever had anybody respond that. But if I asked Michael Malice that question, that's what he would say. 
So um, the the question, which would you miss most? A lot of people say, well, I mean, clearly the, the federal government. We'd miss that one because this is what everybody focuses on. I mean, right, you go out to everything is a national story. It doesn't matter what the story actually is. It doesn't matter if it really is a national story at all anyways. But what they say is that they would miss the national government. We don't really have a national government, by the way, which I just said. We have a federal government. We have a general government, in fact, a general government for general purposes. That's what the founding generation called it, the general government. Somebody emailed me one time and said they were talking to someone about this, and they used the term general, and then started making fun of them. Why are you calling it the general government? It's the national government. Uh, clearly, uh, morons have no bounds. But um, we have a general government for general purposes, but most people think that's what, I mean, this is what government is. This is why we have to focus on the president, the Congress. and Now, it's turned into that. I can't say that they're necessarily wrong about how important the general government is, because the general government now believes it can override any state law. It can pass any law whatsoever in all cases whatsoever. Now, what's interesting about that is Tom Paine in the American Crisis called that slavery. If you go back and read that first page of the American Crisis, which was published in December of 1776, in some of the darkest days of the American War for Independence, um, that particular pamphlet was designed to get people to stay in and fight. But he says, look, if Parliament can legislate for us in all cases whatsoever, then what is the definition of slavery if it's not that? So, interesting, of course, Tom Paine said that. And this is exactly what Congress does. They can legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. We're talking about things like red flag laws now. I mean, there's there's so many things that we could get the environmental laws, whatever it is. You got a you got a puddle in your front yard. Well, that's a wetland. You can't do anything with your property. I mean, do you really even own your property to begin with? If I wanted to sell this house, if I said I don't want to sell it to certain people and sell it to other people, can I do that? No. If I said I want to turn my house into a pig farm, could I do that? No. If I said I wanted to turn my house into a factory, could I do that? No. I'd have to have permission. So I really can't do anything with my property that I want. If I don't pay a tax, even if I own my house outright, where there's a story about this, I lose it. The government seizes my property. Um, so do I really own my property? Uh, if I own my property, could the government take taxes out of my paycheck before I get it? No. So they own that too. So essentially, they own everything, and that you just get the pittance, and you say, thank you very much, sir, for giving me what I can have back. Thank you very much for letting me live in my house, even though you own it, and I just pay for it. I mean, this is the case. This is what we have. So the fact is, the general government believes it can legislate for, its, for us in all cases whatsoever. But is that really true? Now, they spend a lot of money, and they send it to the states. And then the states use that money. So the states are slopping at the trough. I mean, this is part of the problem. Why the states really can't, don't, or don't, they can, they just don't, stand up to the central government because they're worried about the, the, the spigot being turned off of money coming to the states because they want this money. Now, some of that money is for unfunded mandates, or I should say not unfunded mandates, but for mandates. The unfunded mandates be things you got to do without any money. For mandates that the general government says you got to do, so here's some money to do it, so go do it. So they, they want that money for that reason. But I, 
the, the fact is there are so many layers of government that are unconstitutional. I mean, look, the federal government passes laws that are redundant because the states already have laws, yet they pass them anyway. So now if you break a law, you can be, you can be prosecuted in several different ways, state, local, federal. So there we go. But the, the states have already controlled a lot of this stuff. I mean, look, you don't have to have a federal law against murder. Why? Because the states already have laws against murder. I mean, a federal law against murder really is redundant. It's redundant. Uh, there are so many federal laws that are redundant. Um, but they're there anyways because they want to ensure that you can be prosecuted for something. In case that state thing falls through, we always got that federal thing to fall back on. We'll just prosecute you for a federal crime, right? So um, the states already have these laws. The problem is the states, again, don't do what they're able to do. And actually, I mean, were designed to do, which was handle virtually everything that affects someone's daily life because they're so worried about the general government having a negative over that or doing something that would, would stop that spigot again. But again, the federal government doesn't really have any control over your life whatsoever. In, in reality, it's the states. If the state government was, the federal government was to disappear tomorrow, and we've seen it happen because the government shuts down. And so they try to put barricades up on sidewalks on national monuments. People just run around it. And, oh, yeah, okay. Or they stand on the sidewalk in front of Independence Hall, the Philadelphia State House, and say, you can't walk on this sidewalk. Really? <laughs> I mean, how stupid is this? Right? This is what the Obama administration did. Now, of course, anyone who's on the dole on the federal government is going to miss their paycheck. So you have soldiers, and of course, I live in an area where there's a lot of soldiers, so they're going to miss their paycheck. So they would be affected by a federal government shutdown. Uh, anyone that's on some type of, of uh, welfare or Social Security or anything like that would miss their paycheck, at least theoretically, because we know this has happened and people still got paid anyways. Now, soldiers didn't, but we know that people on welfare and social, they still got their checks because you see that's that's going to be funded anyway. So only thing that's not funded are the discretionary spending, which is things like studying the reproductive habits of lab rats. They're not going to get their money. So what? So we wouldn't miss that stuff. But if you if your state government disappeared, well, you would miss some things. First of all, the states run all the schools. So if you send your kids to public schools, your kids don't go to school that day. A lot of people work for the state, just like they work for the federal government, but a lot of people work for the state, and you're going to have a number of state employees in a state, so you might miss some of those state employees. Maybe police protection. I know, again, all the anarchists out there that listen to this podcast, I mean, they're saying, yeah, they're cheering. But these are things that you would you would see. They These are tangible things you would see that would not be there. Uh, you would not see these things again. So your state police would be gone. Your state court system would shut down. Uh, and, of course, you know, any kind of criminal courts. I mean, a lot of times you're going to see that there's a state situation there. So all that would go away. So you would see things like that. Now, the local government, let's say your local government shuts down. Well, then you would really feel, I mean, this is your, this is your water. This is your sewer. This is your gas service. This is your trash pickup. This is, perhaps, if you live in an area with a paid fire department or paid, I mean, again, paid police department, of course, you're going to have that, but paid fire department, your house catches on fire, nobody put it out, uh, police protection, all that stuff. So all those things would go away. You would miss them first if you're going to miss a government service. So this is why this stuff is so important. 
Why it's important to understand and get people to realize this. They should be paying attention to who's on their city council. They should be paying attention to who's serving them in the state legislature, both there in the lower chamber and the upper chamber. And they should certainly know who the government is, uh, governor is. Uh, so these are things that if you want to help educate people, do a local government and state government seminar. Hey, let's go over our state constitution. Let's go over what it can and cannot do. Let's go over our local government. Let's go sit. If we want to be engaged in government, let's go sit in our city council meeting and see what these crooks on the city council are actually doing. Let's go do it. In many states, you have sunshine laws, so they have to conduct business out in the open. So let's go watch what kind of things are going on here. Let's go sit in on this stuff. I know it's kind of boring, but if you really want to see, if you really want to have an impact, and I'm going to tell you, if you have a problem in your local government and you stand up and talk about it, well, that's going to have a bigger impact than if you went to Congress and you stood outside of the Capitol building and held up a post board, poster board sign saying something stupid or going and blocking traffic in D.C. and twerking in the streets. I mean, this is what you know idiots were doing a couple of days ago. That doesn't matter. You want to make a difference? Go to your city council. If you just had 20 people go to a city council meeting, you could almost hijack the entire thing because nobody ever goes. You want to, uh, to make an impact? Go to your state legislature. Go, stand in, go get 1,000 people and stand in front of your state capitol building and see what happens. You get 1,000 people to stand in front of you, the U.S. capitol, nothing's going to happen. It's like, it, I mean, there's always 1,000 people milling around there. 1,000 people in front of your state capitol? Mm, maybe not so much. I've already talked about representative ratio on this program and how your representative ratio is more in line at the state level. I mean, for example, in the state I live in, it's a little, little, little over 30,000 to one, which is exactly what George Washington said you needed for good representative government. Now, in California, it's all out of whack. In some states, it is. But in the state I live, not so much. We still have at least representative government. And uh, we can have some type of real representation. Not so at the general government. So you want to make an impact? Go do those things. Go to your city. I mean, this is where education, you can do these things, right? It doesn't take someone like me. I don't know what state you're in. Go get your state constitution and learn it. Read it. Understand it. If it stinks, try to get some things changed to it. I know in my state, it's, it's amended every single election cycle. So it's, it's, the thing is like a book. Um, so it's 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 a lot of work to get through it, which is why people focus on the U.S. Constitution. When you take a, and you, we're going to learn constant, we're going to learn the Constitution. Which one? Which one are we going to learn? In my American Constitutions course at McClanahan Academy, I go over the U.S. Constitution. I also talk about the Articles of Confederation. I talk about the Confederate Constitution, and I talk about state constitutions. Now I don't do all fifty state constitutions, but I talk about constitutions in general at the state level and what you need to be doing. Uh, I've had discussions with people in Iowa when they talk about um, gun rights, and I say, look, your constitution has no protection for that in your state. So you're relying on an incorporation uh, position, which is dangerous because that can change with the, with the will of nine politically connected lawyers who are sitting on the Supreme Court. So if you want to get people educated, focus on those local things. Now, it continues, this piece. 
In the survey of the broader United States population, age and gender seemed to play a role in how well participants knew their governor or local members of Congress. The youngest group of respondents, and females, were notably less likely than the overall population to recognize their local politicians. So you have a little thing here. Recognition of local politicians by age groups. So this would be, I guess, um, something like your, you know, your city councilman. Something like that. And you look at this, all right? So it says, I know my governor's name. And you have age 18 to 29, 56%. Age 30 to 45, 68%. Age 45 plus, 78%. Then you have, I would recognize my governor if I saw him, her in person. 18 to 29, 34%. 30 to 45, 44%. 45 plus, 49%. I know my governor's name and would recognize him or her in person. 28%. Um, uh, for the youngest, 37, 48. And then I know the name of at least one of my local Congress members. Just sort of that term Congress. I mean, it's a little vague on what they're talking about, but I assume they're talking about your state legislator. 40% for 18 to 29, 47% for 30 to 45, and and, uh, 41% for 45 plus. So supposedly that middle group is better engaged. But then you have... Male, female. Uh, and uh, some of this is cut off, but uh, males, certainly, higher percentages, every single one of them. Um, so females, not as politically engaged. Um, perhaps that's because, I mean, you know, still to this day, women are, I mean, but look, on a, on a overall level, I think women are certainly uh, more engaged than they've ever been before in politics, though... Uh, when it comes to maybe local government, I, I don't know. You see a lot of, of women focusing on on the on the quote unquote national government because they think that's where they're going to get the most bang for their buck. I mean, this is because this is what we're taught from the time we're five, right? I mean, you, you learn, let's say, the Pledge of Allegiance, let's learn the Declaration of Independence, let's learn the U.S. Con- let's learn the preamble to the U.S. Constitution. This is what everyone thinks government is, when in reality, it's sitting right in your local town. It says when it came to political party, both. Democrats and Republicans had similar awareness of their state governor. Independents lagged significantly in identifying the governor or a local Congress member. So uh, maybe because they have a party affiliation, they've taken the time to go out and register as a political party. They know these things better. Independents may not be as politically engaged. I don't know. I mean, that could be it. But study finds concludes as the 2020 election approach. 2020 elections approach, interest in the national political landscape continues to grow, but how informed are your fellow Americans on the local politics that may have a larger impact on your daily activities? How well would your state fair have simply asked to identify the governor? So that's a very good question. I mean, how well? I mean, we're going to be, you're going to have local issues on every ballot, and I see it all the time. You know, I don't know what to vote for that. I'm just going to vote for the president. I'm just going to vote for the congressman. Or I'm just going to go down the list and vote. You know, I see it all the time. What we really need is a local government awakening in America. And that's where, again, you come in. I can do this show, share this show around, but certainly what you need to do and to be a foot soldier for this is go out and educate people about their local government. You want to have a day where, I mean, we just had quote-unquote Constitution Day a few days ago. You want to have a day where you talk about the Constitution? 
Ask your school, if your kids are in school, hey, bring in, not to talk about the U.S. Constitution, which they have to. You can say, all right, we got the U.S. Constitution, but let's talk about real government. You are talking about the U.S. Constitution. You say, hey, you know what we have? We have this thing called federalism. (laughs) And uh, what we need to do is get people interested in their state and local government. Hey, we're talking about the U.S. Constitution at that point because we have this little thing called the Tenth Amendment, right? We have these separation of powers, not just in D.C., but between the states and the general government. We have that stuff, too. You can bring up Tench Cox and what he said. If you got my book, Founding Fathers, Guide to the Constitution, I've got long passages in there where Tench Cox goes through what the general government should do, what the, what the state and local government should do. They were uh, published under an essay entitled A Freeman. This is great stuff, so bring that stuff in. Get on your local talk shows and talk about Talk about state powers. Talk about real federalism. These are things we can do on Constitution Day to help educate people. When people talk about they're they're complaining about issues, say, look, all right, yeah, I know all that's going on, but let's what's happening in our capital? What's happening in our local government? I mean, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how corrupt that is, or let's talk about what's happening there, what we can do to affect change there. That would be a good thing. Let's talk about that. And most people, I don't know anything about that. Well, you should. Here's why. Boom, boom, boom. You hit them with all those things. And some of the people, oh, they're going to rationalize. Well, yeah, but you know, it's uh, the general government. And you can say, well, I understand that, but that's, that's power they've taken from us, right? So you, you, you have ways to try to affect change and how people think and conceptualize about government. And if you have kids, get them to think about these local governments from the beginning And that's where they're really going to start making an impact in society. They want to make things change. You want to have government do some change or you want to change your government? Get somebody to run for a local school board. Run for city council. Run for mayor. Do some things to affect real change, to impact your local community, to make real changes. And that's how we have a revolution from the bottom up. This is what the progressives did, in fact. People don't realize that they think they just changed the top. They went in and got the presidency and they worked that way. Uh Uh-uh. It all happened from the bottom up. It's exactly what they did. Join your civics clubs, your rotary club. Join these things because that's how you start affecting change. That That is my parting wisdom for you on this particular episode. Get involved in local civics groups and your local government and start talking about those things on national holidays. Declaration of Independence, July 4th. You can talk about the Declaration, the last paragraph. Hey, this is a great thing because you know what this did? This said we have free and independent states here. Let's talk about what these states can and should do. As Jefferson said in that last paragraph of the Declaration. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show. Think locally, act locally.